Well, I said this uh, Sunday night and, and Sunday morning. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to emphasize it because the Lord is emphasizing it in me is that salvation is a new man and a new creation, which we read that. You know, the, the Bible clearly tells us that. However, the Bible clearly tells us a lot of things that we only comprehend in Christ Jesus, that we only really get a hold of as we get a hold of the Lord. And uh, last night I went to bed uh, probably thinking, you know, I wish I'd asked somebody to minister tonight. I was traveling, I've been on vacation and, uh, you, you know, a lot of uh, things going on. And I woke up this morning with God speaking in me so strong. It was like a, uh, I say, a shotgun blast, a cannon. Uh, I, it's just so powerful. It's, it, to put it in words, is, is hard to do. You know, we, ver we vocalize it the best we can. But it is really when the Spirit of God reveals himself in you in that way that you see what God's saying. And uh, what he was speaking to me about was son of man. Son of man. And he was emphasizing in my heart, son of man. All right. And so we're in this Matthew 24 teaching, and we've read this. In fact, we did a few lessons probably uh, around this. I, I can't remember if I addressed son of man or not in that, but I addressed part of the scriptures that I'm going to read, start with tonight, and where we're going to go from in Matthew 24. And we're going to take a uh, begin to look at this son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. It says in verse 30, 24, 30, then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. Then shall the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And the question I have, uh, I, I've just said, said this to you, but notice particularly the term son of man. Why did this not say son of God? Okay. Well, there's a reason. There's always a reason. It, it's just that we understand the reason. Well, tonight, I pray we see what is so significant on the Son of Man. And we've been talking about it uh, the last few weeks, but tonight, I, I pray it's just clear. Uh, it's been in the last few messages. Uh, in fact, I do believe we got off a little bit in this son of man. And just to kind of put it out there, it's the new man. 
the new man, the new creation. Okay. So what do you mean it's the new man, it's the new creation? This is just speaking of Jesus by himself. Well, let's look at it and see out of the scripture. In Daniel, if I go back to Daniel where we've been going back to the last little bit in Daniel 7, Daniel writes 7, 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and hair of head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand, thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set. The books were open. I beheld them because the voice of great words, which the horn spake, I beheld till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night vision and behold one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So here, Daniel sees the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days. Now, I read a couple of com commentators, which I'm not big on, but I'm going to share uh, one of them with you. One of the, well, read an article that had some commentators in it. And one of them said that this is traditionally interpreted as Christ coming to the Father. And the other one said this is interpreted as the son coming to where he was before, the ancient of days. And I'll just put them out there. Because I could probably say both of those are right. <laughs> uh, in the ancient of days, the son of man coming and seated on the throne, we find this in the book of Revelation. Chapter 5, Jesus coming and taking the book out of him that sat on the throne. Opening the book because it's given to him all dominion and power. And all of these things transpire in the book of Revelation. So I believe all these things had to be fulfilled. Well, anyway, what I want to emphasize is this, this son of man coming to the ancient of days and, and how this affects you and I as the church, which is his body. In Matthew chapter 16, and this is a common scripture for us, uh, verse 13 says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? 
Now notice that. Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he charged his disciples to, that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. So who... He said, who do they say that I, the son of man, am? Now, this son of man is son of God. Okay. This son of man is son of God. All right. Let's just keep going. Keep that thought in mind. We'll just keep going and work this out in some scripture. Matthew 26. 59 through 68 says, Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. And the last came two false witnesses and said, The fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Well, he does that right here in verse 64. He says, Jesus saith unto him that thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now, he's referring back, I believe, to Daniel's uh, prophecy or vision. The Son of Man coming to the ancient days, sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest read his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witness? Behold, now you've heard his blasphemy. What think you? They answered, said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? So here, Jesus calls himself, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power. He's declaring he's the one that's going to ascend to the Ancient of Days, and he's going to come in the clouds of heaven, okay? Now, keep that in mind and flip to John 12 and 20. Son of Man's coming in glory. Son of Man 
is son of God, son of man is coming, is sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And now in John 12, 20, it says, and there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee and desired him saying, sir, we would see Jesus. Philip comes and tells Andrew, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that, what? The hour has come what? That the Son of Man should be glorified. Why doesn't it say Son of God? Okay, the son of man, okay, to be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Okay. Did the time come, Jesus said, when the Greeks came to see him, the time has come that the Son of Man will be glorified. Now, I believe the only way they were really going to see him was for him to be glorified. But what I believe this is speaking of is him coming in a many-membered man. That's what I believe. Now, I, I'm going to go further in this, but before I do, just taking you backwards to a scripture I read where Jesus was talking to the high priest and he said, you shall see the Son of Man coming, on, sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now he's speaking there to the high priest. Okay. What happens at the gate of beautiful with, Jan, with John and Peter is significant to what Jesus just said. Because at the gate of beautiful, they were coming up, I believe the Bible says, and you correct me if I'm wrong, to the temple. And the man that was lame was laying at the gate of beautiful. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have. They could have said, like Brother Jim Wickens likes to say, not I, but Christ. What I have, give I unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And then the man went leaping and praising God in the temple. Well, who would have seen him but the high priest? Hereafter, you shall see. And when they had beaten Peter and John and commanded them to not preach in his name. So all at once, they're seeing an increase of Christ in a people. Very visibly in Jerusalem. Because now what was going on in Jesus is going on in a many 
membered man. Okay, get a hold of this. Salvation is not just coming through Jesus individually. Now, it is all coming through Jesus. Don't get me wrong. But now Jesus has planted himself into the ground to increase. Okay? Unless a corn of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth an increase, much fruit. Well, the corn of wheat or the seed brings forth of itself. It doesn't bring forth of anything else. It brings forth of itself. So Jesus planted himself, son of God, as the son of man into the ground. That he would increase in you and me. Now, what I want us to get a hold of here is all at once we'll, we'll look at the Son of Man as just the flesh man. And I want to tell you, no, <laughs> don't do that. Or we'll think the Son of Man just speaks of the old man. And I believe what I'm seeing is, no, that's not the case at all. That when Jesus was planted in the ground, it's, this is why this all goes together. Because if you read this closely, you may ask, how does this really go together? In we're reading that in John 12. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, die to bite alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Why, why does he need to say the next verse, the next statement? He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am there will my servant be. Also, this sounds like John 14, 20. If that day you'll know I'm in the Father, where I am, there you'll be also. He that loveth, the, life, the word life here is actually the same word, suke, as soul. So he that loveth his soul shall lose it. He that hateth his soul in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Now, if I get a hold of this, the Son of Man shall be glorified. Life eternal is him. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I have come that you might have life. He's talking about you coming forth in him. Okay. Now is the time that the Son of Man should be glorified. And we read out of Daniel. Now I'll flip over to John 17. So I want to clear this, want to declare this, not just declare it, but show it in Scripture, John 17, verse 1. Verse 1, John 17. And, and to get a hold of what he's talking about in verse 1, I'd have to go back and read verse 16. But he said, these words spake Jesus and lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. And thou hast given him power of all flesh, that he shall give eternal life to as many as thou have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. 
And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and, I, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou have given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them and known surely that I came out from thee, and they believe that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all, all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am, what? Glorified. Where at? In them. Father, glorify me with thine own self. Why? That I might be glorified in them. Now, what does that mean? What that means to me is he went back to spirit. God is a spirit. As an individual man, Jesus, Walking the shores of Galilee, as great as he was as that man, he desired to ascend with the completed work back to the Father in the form he was before. And that's what he tells them in John 6. What if you see me, you ascend up to where I was before. So in the reason for that is not just to say, well, he's ascended in order that he could be glorified in you and I. Okay? That we could come, so to speak, in his glory. That there would be an increase of him in the earth. Because there would be no way for us to come in his glory. Period. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So we come forth by him as a new man. Salvation is a new man. This new man, and we read this all the time, this new man is created in Christ Jesus. So this new man is the increase of himself in a many-membered body. That's what it is, is the increase of himself in a many-membered body. Now, if I go into Ephesians 2, he Paul writes this to us. It's just getting a hold of what Paul writes. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship created. We're at in Christ Jesus and the good works. Well, well, I hear people saying what they were before the world. I'd rather be created in Christ Jesus than what I was. Get a hold of this. How am I created in Christ Jesus? 
Paul says, I'm baptized by the Spirit into him. So it's a work of the Spirit. So the creation as a new man, so to speak, dunks you or immerses you into him. I'm baptized into his death. That's why he says, unless you lose your life, you cannot find life. So if I try to go back to find out what I was and think that's where God's bringing me, I may be just missing the mark. Because where God has brought me was is his determined purpose, a new man, wherein is righteousness. And that new man is the increase of Christ in every single one. The corn of wheat, the only one that had the life of God, had to fall into the ground and die. Because had he not fallen and died, he told you, I bite alone. Okay? So he falls and dies to make in himself one new man. And this is what salvation is. It is the increase of him in a new man. It's not an old man made better. It's a new man. And the beauty of this is he does this in us, in the earth. Why? To give a witness of it. To declare it that all men might see. This is the salvation of the Lord, a new man. See, see, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and, and, I, and I mentioned this in the song, and I'm trying not to make light of these people. I'm sure they are wonderful believers, and, and if I could do anything, I'd love to help them, not to make light of them. But as they were singing the song they were singing, I heard it, not a mention of the new man. And all at once, my ears, like my ears, I'm going, oh, my Lord. Where's the new man? What Jesus did is he died to the old man and brought in himself a new man. That's the son of man coming in glory, a new man coming in the glory of his father. Your father's not Adam in this creation. God is your father in this creation. You say, well, God created God created all men. I say, sure, but he didn't necessarily birth all men of himself because man was birthed by man. In this creation, it's birthed of God in Christ Jesus. Very specific place. 
only birthed in him. Therefore, he fulfills Isaiah 9 and 6. Unto us a child is born, son is given. Government shall be upon his shoulders. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, because you are birthed in him. He's the eternal father that has birthed us in himself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Get a hold of this. Christ has birthed us in himself. That's what he's done. So now, just like Paul writes, we're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. We are of him by his work. What we must do is comprehend that. There has to come an understanding in us that we are one new man. Not many new men, one new man. One man with many members. Because the head of this man is Christ himself. Yeah, you're part of him. You're not the head. But he's made you his very own. That's what salvation is. God has made you his very own. So you're in this eternal relationship with the living God. He's the living God. He raised from the dead. And he lives in you. So I will be glorified in them. That's, that's why is he glorified in us that the body would be the same as the head, that the body would take on the mind of the head, that the body would come to the come into alignment, so to speak, with him. But see, if you don't comprehend you're his body, if there's this mind of separation with the Lord, and it to, to, to even grasp this, I'll be honest with you, it blows my mind that he's made us one. I mean, we read that. But that's what he's done in the new creation. And this is all birthed in him. This is why Jesus made a statement, you must be born again. If you're not born of him, you're not of this creation. It's a heavenly creation. That's what this is. It's a heavenly creation that has come out of him. Now, I'm going on in Ephesians 2 here. He says, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall of partition between us 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments, commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so make him peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. So we're reconciled by the body of his death. Because in Christ, there's neither male, female, Greek, or Jew. So these two had to be reconciled in death. They had to come to the body of his death. Having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were not. So here now the peace is in the new man. The peace is in the new man. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So he makes in himself of the two one new man. What does he do with the two? He crucified the two. And he brought them forth those that come forth in the resurrection as one new man who's neither Jew or Greek, who's neither the two. Get a hold of this. So we're not Judeo-Christian believers. We're the body of Christ. Christians need to get a hold of their salvation is a person. And that person lives in them, dwells in them. Salvation is Christ living in you. Get Think for a moment. Consider this. Paul writes of, of Adam, the, the natural man. He says, man fell short of the glory of God. Okay. Now he writes of the believer, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just, just consider those two statements. Man fell short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What makes that? The cross. In himself, one new man, I will be glorified in them. So he's glorified. What he's done, what he's accomplished, who he is, made known in us. This is the Son of Man an increase of himself coming in glory in you and I. This is how he comes in the clouds of heaven. The, you, you know, one, one writer uh, says he's coming with 10,000 of his saints. Yeah, he's coming in them. He comes with them. They come with him. He comes with them. Because he's their life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So it makes you a cloud of glory. You're a heavenly being. A cloud is in the heavens. Called up with the Lord. One with him. My God. This son of man is the new creation man that has come forth in Christ. The first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven, and he's coming in increase of himself. What, what, I have to be so careful in this 
is we don't turn around and begin to preach us here. Because it'd be real easy to do. You'd be real easy to run around and say, well, we're son of man. Or we're son of God. And, and all of that to a measure has a truth in it. You're a son of man in Christ. You're part of the new man. You're, part, you're son of God in Christ. But son of man, son of God is all on the basis of him. Not of you. Now, the beauty is he shares this, imputes this to us. We're one with him. He gives it to us because that's his desire. That's this heavenly relationship. But our relationship is we see him exalted. Now, do we ever walk in his exaltation? Sure we do. It doesn't mean we get exalted, but we see the magnificence of the Lord and we walk. What I mean walking in his exaltation is we walk in what he's conquered. He's conquered death. So we walk in a relationship with the Lord over death. You say, well, Brother Wayne, people die physically. Yeah, they do. But they don't die in Christ. He's their life. If Christians would get a hold of this, their eternal life is the Lord himself. They are the body of Jesus Christ. So they're not going to die. Will they see physical death? Yeah, most likely. Or as I understand it, every man more that has a natural body will physically pass. But they won't die. Not because of the because your life is not contingent upon the natural body. Your life is contingent upon the Lord, Jesus Christ. So if I'm joined to the Lord and he's eternal, what does that make us? Eternal with him. Now, what we're declaring in the earth is what's true in the heavens. That's what we're declaring. Manifesting in the earth that that's in Christ. One new man. So making peace. You know, the whole world, and I'm finishing tonight, they signed peace treaties. They try to come together and make agreements. You know what the Lord did? He crucified. He didn't need to write a peace treaty. He took it in the body of his flesh, crucified. And he brought all those forth in him, in himself. And if Christians would get a hold of that, they're not Baptist, they're not Catholic, they're not deeper life, they're not Pentecostal. They are the body of Jesus Christ, the Lord. And they would walk in that union and they would see one another in the union with the Lord. The church would then be the mightiest voice in the earth.
because you would have a union of people talking about the great salvation. But instead, you have this fragmented ideology of what Jesus is like instead of knowing him by the Spirit of God. He has brought us to one new man that he is the fullness of and included us in that creation, made us a part of that creation. And he did it through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection. That's how he did it. Birthed us in himself. So he took us into himself, and we come forth from him. So I can call him my eternal father because he brought me into himself, made me one with him. Hallelujah to the lamb of the living God. No wonders Thomas said, my Lord and my God. I heard this this morning and my heart exploded. I'm like, Lord. How do I really say this? Let me live as one new man in the earth. That's my prayer. Let me live in what you've done. Glorify yourself. Make your glory known in me. What you have done, Lord, that I can just be a witness of that I can give it witness into the earth. How significant knowing him really is. God bless you. I know it's been a long time tonight. Uh, go ahead, Brother Mark. I'll stop the recording.